Hello and welcome to Little Things with Amber L.B. Swenson. We have a super special episode today because we are going to be talking about a brand new book that just came out from Time of Grace. It's called Visible Faith. And I get to chat with my very good friend, Linda Buxa. Thanks Hello, for joining Amber. me, Linda. Hey, thanks for how having you doing? me. I'm doing great. I'm getting more and more empty nesting. And so that's been pretty fun. Yeah, you and I are going to have to have a lunch. We, we're going to need to discuss this because I'm just seeing this at the far end, uh, the very near distance. So I'm going to have to get some tips and tricks from you. Absolutely. Yeah, you have. So just tell listeners the age of your children because they might not know you. I have three kiddos. Um, Abby is 21. She just graduated from Lipscomb University in Nashville. Lydia is 19 and she is studying at Liberty in Lynchburg, Virginia to become a forensic anthropologist. That so sounds like so amazing. Show bones. Fascinating. <laughs> and then I have a son, Ben, who is 17 and in his senior year of high school. So for real, you are on the cusp of empty nesting and has he, he's decided where he's going to go to college too, hasn't he? Yes. He's going to go to the university of North Dakota. Yeah. So he will be out of the house. Correct. None of my kids wanted to go to school near me. It must be me. No, I don't think so. I think it's because they were born in Alaska, right? Were they all born there? Uh, two were born there and I was pregnant with Ben when we left. So yes, yeah. we have lived all over the country. So they feel like they need to move again. Yeah. I think that has more to do with it. Yeah. And then, so I, most people probably know that you blog for time of grace. You've also written a devotion bo book years ago how many years ago was that four or five eight eight seven no eight yeah really? my mom sent me she goes uh she sent me a text saying facebook memory shows that your birth book just came out and i think it was eight years ago oh that is shocking to me i did not realize it was that long ago yeah that's it's a, probably dated it was it was dig in right is that the name yes of it? yeah it's kind of a family devotion book it is. It's for, we always said it was for kids ages like five to 12, but I've heard from so many families that they use it. Yeah. And I cannot say enough. I just had a conversation on Sunday with a grandmother and she was saying um, that nobody does devotions at home. I'm like, whoa, time out, wait, stop. Like that's been a huge part of our family nightly routine. And I said, don't say nobody does devotions at home, encourage people to do family devotions at home. And she said, Oh, Amber, nobody's going to do that. I said, it starts with one family. So right near, right here, right off the bat, what a wonderful way to start a nightly routine, doing some sort of devotion, prayer, Bible time with your family. That was one thing that when this new, excuse me, newest book came out, a number of people said, I can't wait to buy it because I used to use your devotion book in the car on the way to school. So mm -hmm. it doesn't have to be nighttime. Yeah, it good can point. be Thank breakfast. You. It can be yes. a commute. And I think they were 250 words-ish. And when public speakers talk, they plan for 100 words a minute. You can have a devotion in under three minutes if you throw a prayer in quick at the end. We just got back from vacation. I was reading through visible faith. And so the devotions were what we did for our nightly devotions and they were phenomenal for my kids. And I have older kids too. 
22 to 14. So yeah, cannot recommend enough um, wherever you are in your life, wh whatever age your children are. And uh, yeah, if mornings work for you, do mornings. If you can screenshot it and send it out on, you know, lunch breaks or whatever, I cannot tell you enough how important those devotion, Bible reading, family um, prayer prompts and prayer times can be. So that's huge right off the bat. And then you also, you also have a job job, right? I do have a job job. Um, I've actually pared down. I used to have a whole bunch more, but now the majority of my time is spent at Lakeside Lutheran High School. I work in their publications department part-time, but for the past couple of years, I was like, whatever it takes to keep us in person. So I sub and I sub in the lunchroom and I'll do whatever they need. I love that place. Awesome. Okay. Good stuff. All right. So what was the big idea behind this book? Amanda from time of grace reached out to me and said, Hey, would you want to do this? But we don't really know exactly what we want it to be. So you've got a lot of leeway, but she did know that she wanted it to be a little more interactive than just read this devotion. And I bought all into that because I think that I live out in rural Wisconsin and my life here is totally different than when we were stationed in the Washington, D.C. area. So my perspective on what the fruit of the spirit looks like is totally different from someone in an urban community. A 50-year-old woman in Wisconsin is totally different from a, you know, let's say 40-year-old guy in California. And so I wanted this to be everybody being able to apply it to their own unique situation. Yeah. And I have followed you on Facebook since we became friends in person, which I think was maybe 2018, 2017. I think so. I can't remember, but, um, I see you in the early mornings. That's your Bible reading time, right? That is totally my sweet spot. I wake up before the rest of the family, um, naturally no, no alarm clock, which amazes everybody else, but it's somewhere between four 30 and five 30 in the morning. And I let out the dog and I make coffee and I have my chair in our living room. And I just got in this habit of sitting and having my Bible reading time. And that's when I write in my prayer journal. And that's how I start my day. Yeah, that's what I was going to ask if you journal, because I thought that I saw on Facebook, I've seen multiple times where your Bible's open and you've got a notebook there. So tell me about your your prayer journal. What does that look like? For a writer, you'd think I journal more than I actually do, but I just journal my prayers. So a few years ago, I was reading really small snippets of scripture, and then I would just journal it back. So if there's a passage I really liked, and I, I integrated that into this um, devotional where I would just write scripture back, but I would put me into it. One of my favorite passages is when you pass through the waters, I will be with you when you pass for, through the fires, but it says Israel in it. Well, I'll put Linda and to really see just how applicable 
God's word to people thousands of years ago is to me too. We have a prayer board hanging up next to our fridge where we put the people we love and pray for. So I will also write prayers for them. Years ago, I remember saying, someone saying, the worst thing you can do is tell someone you will pray for them and you don't. And so I could also see myself going, oh, please be with my neighbor. Well, yeah, God knows what I mean, but it's really nice to write it out because it keeps me focused because my mind can just chase squirrels everywhere and I will get distracted if I'm trying to pray without writing. So have you ever gone back to see the prayers that were answered? I have. I've also seen the prayers that, you know, I prayed for discipline and he still hasn't said yes. And I don't know if that's God's fault or mine. Can I refer you to the self-control chapter in your book on visible faith? If you haven't, (laughs) I'm just kidding. No, I think that's a, I think that's something we may be struggling with our whole life. I think every single day I pray that God helps me to avoid distraction and I have to pray that every day because every day I am prone to distraction. So, you know, I think part of that is just living in a sin-filled world, but I love that you do that. I think um, that's part of my, that has made my morning Bible reading so much more fruitful. I am doing what you were doing years ago in terms of I'm journaling through the Proverbs and I have found, you know, the Proverbs is so thick to me. There's so much in each verse. So I don't want to just read a whole chapter. So I read like maybe three verses, but I'll journal after each verse and, and be doing the whole examining my life, confessing or saying, Mm -hmm. okay, God, I think I got this part down, but help me to stay steadfast in this or whatever. And it has really made my Bible study just, um, a really personal and just a really nice time to be with God. It feels very relational. It almost feels like we're sitting and having a cup of coffee together. And, um, and it's really changed my Bible reading. It's something I love to do. Can't wait to get up in the morning, get out and do it. And, and I'm seeing, and I'm praying about things that I would have never prayed about before. You know, the other thing I like about it is, you know, I was raised with a pretty, you don't smile too loud in church, you know, kind of childhood or, and so we prayed with our head bowed and our hands folded, which is a great way to pray. But in the morning when I'm by myself, then I can get on my knees and pray, or I can hold my hands out and pray and do things that maybe in front of other people seem a little too weird. Like, because it feels like you're having this private conversation. And so you can even change your prayer posture when you are by yourself. Yeah, I love that. And hopefully people that are listening um, see that that's a huge benefit of this book, Visible Faith, because it is journal format. And Mm -hmm. so that's probably why I have loved it so much, because I've already gotten in the habit of doing the journal with my Bible study. And I've seen what it can do if you put the time in. So there is a temptation always, if you get a book like this, 
two things are a temptation. The, the biggest temptation that I would have is I would be like, I'm not going to write in it because I'm going to donate it to the church library. <laughs> Don't do yes. that. Get the book, write in it because that is how you really get to the meat and you allow God to what pastor Mike would say is pull the weeds, you know, in, yeah. in the soil of your heart so that it's fertile ground. But then the second temptation would be to just go as fast as you can through this book. And that also would not produce the greatest fruit, which is ironic because it's about producing the fruit of the Holy That's spirit. The point of it, the point is so so the journal prompts also are there to force you to slow down. Like, Correct. no, don't, don't just go to the next page. Hold on. Did you write anything? <laughs> and then there's like, I've noticed there's large places. Some places have very large places to write. And that has been very good to me too, especially when I'm like, I'm just gonna, I have five minutes. I'm just gonna quickly do this. And I'm like, oh, she wants me to go deeper. There's a few more lines for you to fill out. Yeah. So that's a good thing. Okay. Describe the SOAP method of studying scripture. And where did you find or discover that? This is the first time that I have heard that. I have recently heard it from a different source, but I hadn't been aware of this before. I was part of a couple of home group Bible studies, mm -hmm. and we used this method. Okay. Where it's just read scripture and go through it, then what do you observe? Which is interesting because it's a little different than what you apply, right? The observe is to me, the meditation portion of this method of reading. Yeah. Where... Just break it down. Basically don't, don't apply your own life yet. Just, just literally break it down. Correct. Because my temptation is to read the Bible and then pray. And the slow down, think about it, meditation part of it is good for me, but maybe not my typical habit. Mm -hmm. So in that way, the observation is go back and think about what you just read. Also for me, the temptation is I have been raised in the church. I read through my Bible tons of times. So I will actually sometimes skim through the Bible because I'm like, I know it. And it's like, wait, there's still a lot you don't know, little smarty pants. So maybe you should go back. Okay, so it's scripture. So read the scripture, then observe is the O, the A is apply. So that's where you actually stop and think. Yes. And, and you put for each of these, you, you put questions related to whatever we're talking about, faithfulness, mm -hmm. gentleness, love, joy, whatever. So you're saying, no, no, really, when you read this passage, where do you see you're lacking in joy? Or when you read this passage, what is it telling you about, you know, how you could live differently? So you really want the reader to stop, slow down and no, make this personal. Yes. Stop. And, and then, then the P is of course, prayer, prayer, where you have a chance to pray about these things that you've just observed mm -hmm. and the application now pray about that. Yes. I love that. Um, so then another thing that you do in this book is, so there's, so each chapter has 
seven days, correct? Does it have six correct. or seven? Seven. Should be seven. It has seven. Yeah. One, something for each day. I do several days at a time. So, but one of the things that you do then, so you do the soap where you have a devotion the first day, then you do the soap method where you're going through it. Then you ask us to examine our lives and you do it both in the positive and the negative. So you're like, Hey, let's talk about how you're rocking this. Like, yeah, you got this. Let's talk about that. And then you say, okay, now where do you have room for growth? And again, this is not, I think the, I think the beauty of this book is when you slow down and you can be completely and totally honest with yourself and say, okay, I've done a pretty good job here. And then, oh, I definitely have room for growth here. Why did you decide to go that route with talking about people's strengths, but also mm, maybe not so great? I am a little opinionated in general, but about this topic, um, because I believe that too often, and I quote C.S. Lewis from Screw Tape Letters in here, I believe too often Christians think that humility is pretending that they don't have gifts. And his letter 14 in screw tape letters really convicted me when I finally read it years ago Two, if I deny that I have gifts then I am basically saying God didn't give me gifts and how offensive that is when I say, oh, I'm bad at that. But if I say, you know, I'm actually pretty good at being a devotion writer. I can't take credit for it. God did that. Isn't it amazing that I have this opportunity to do that? Then I think we can give God glory. And not enough people acknowledge their gifts and how they use them and how they serve others. And God talks about us being part of this body and how there are things people do that I can't even fathom doing. I have three kids who are really good at math and I don't even get it, but they are going to be able to use those skills in ways that I could never contribute to God's family. And if we say, oh, I'm bad. And we put it down and we pretend that we're actually really bad at what we're good at. We're lying. So that's the first reason why I wanted people to think about their blessings, their gifts from God and acknowledge them yeah, that's really good. I mean, a person who is joyful, I, we need that. I was just talking to my daughter. We went for a walk and, you know, she's just going into high school and we were talking about some of the scary things and whatever. And I said, you know, one of the things that has helped me my whole life long, I'm not the prettiest and I'm not the most gifted. And I know that I, I hands down, I acknowledge that, but what I have is I go into every situation and I smile and I'm happy and I try to be kind. And so even the people who are like, you know, she's not great at what she does, but I like working with her because she always gets me in a good mood. So I said, you don't have to be great at everything in high school, but what you can do is have a positive attitude and it can make people like you, even if, you know, you aren't the prettiest or the greatest or whatever. And 
I think, you know, when you realize that it can be an asset, you can use these gifts of the spirit and these fruits of the spirit, like joy to change your environment. I do it. Don't ignore it. Don't put it down, do it and encourage other people spur one another on to do those things. So that's awesome. Now, why did you want us to think about our negatives? We are living in a culture where everybody gets a trophy and a ribbon and we are not necessarily honest with ourselves that we need to grow. Like when somebody makes a mistake, if we go and talk to them about it, we are immediately defensive. And I should just say, let's, let's backpedal. If I hurt somebody's feelings, if I am not kind, if I am not, you know, gracious and loving, and somebody calls me out on it, I will immediately get defensive and find a reason why my behavior was acceptable. Mm -hmm. It's not. And I think when it comes to faith, you know, we know that you can continue to grow. You have to go to continuing education classes when you've got a job. You know, you shouldn't just stop learning. So why would we think that it would be different when it comes to faith? We acknowledge our weaknesses and we realize that with a big churchy word, the life of sanctification, of realizing you are set apart you get to keep growing closer and closer to Jesus, but you can't do it if you think you've got your act together. Ah, that's beautiful. And I think that's the blessing that I've seen um, you and I talking about too, is that sometimes we, we change the way we read the Bible too, from year to year to make sure that we're still being fruitful because I was for years starting at Genesis and reading to Revelation and then going back to Genesis. And, and I was not concerned about examining words. I was getting through the Bible. And I mean, there's, there's some good in that because I learned historical facts, names, you know, a lot of that stuff. I, I got the layout of the Bible, but at some point I went, Hmm, maybe that's not as fruitful as it could be. Maybe I don't want to read through the Bible as quickly as I can. I don't want to do it in three, six, 365 days. I want to I have spent the entire year in the book of Proverbs. The only mm. break I've taken is your book. Wow. I've been using that as a devotion, my Bible study for the last two weeks. And it's been phenomenal. And I think it was a good break, quite honestly, yeah. you know, because sometimes you've been in Proverbs so long. Um, it's good to get out of that and, and do something else. And then I'll go back and I'll finish the book of Proverbs. But yeah. it, it is nice to mix it up a little bit. Okay. So going on then to the next day, you have the three R's. What are the three R's that you ask us to look at? Those are you rejoice and then you repent and you request. And those are not my three R's. Um, I got that from when I was a member of a church, I don't know, maybe five years ago. And we were doing a series on meditation. Mm -hmm. Because meditating has such a bad connotation in the church. And I think not outside in the church. church, Correct. It means something different outside of the church. So maybe you just want to just explain that. Um, Because outside the church, it's kind of clearing your mind, right? Yes. And And it's not thinking about anything. Just like, don't, 
Don't let anything come into your mind. Meditating on scripture is a totally different thought. And this just came to me, so maybe it won't make sense and maybe I'll have to retract it. But sometimes it feels as if worldly meditation is mindlessness. Mm. You want to be empty. And Christian meditation is mindfulness to really think about the words God has given us and the implications in our lives to take the time to ponder them. You know, Mary pondered and she treasured up all those things in our heart. King David in his Psalm, he said that you are like a tree planted by water. And after living in California and seeing what it's like in the summer, trees not planted by water are dead, or if they don't have huge tap roots. And so when you meditate on God's law, when you have read the words, take it in, think about it. And when you hide that word in your heart, you can still be thinking about it at five o'clock at night. It's not limited to your morning time. When you have meditated on the majesty and just how cool God is, how much he loves to delight in you and surprise you with his good gifts, you then see it in the afternoon. You see it in your interactions with friends. And you realize just what an impact he has on every aspect of your life. Yeah. Oh, I love that. That is absolutely true. And that's the difference I have noticed in um, reading through my scripture really quickly. And this whole, the prayer journal or whatever, it'll, those passages come up in conversation because I've Mm -hmm. thought about them. I've prayed about them. I'm not just trying to, you know, put my check mark down for the day and, I love this. And, and I love that you have several different methods that you use to keep us doing this every day. So we're not doing the soap method every day. You know, we're doing that one day and we're not doing the three R's every day, but, but it's another way to just get in there and meditate on scripture. That's just phenomenal. And then for the prayer prompts, you use acts, which is adoration, confession, Thanksgiving, and supplication. And the funny thing is I've taught that for years to mm-hmm. my seventh and eighth graders. Yeah. And this is kind of the first time I've actually done it. <laughs> right. Do as I say, not as I do when you're the teacher. Right. No. And that one I got, um, well, just a little tangent for those who remember pastor Jeske, who originally was the time of grace speaker. He always said that all of us who do devotions and now podcasts and everything, he goes, we're all looters. We just take ideas from other people and we loot the good ideas. That's what I did in this book. I got the ax from when we were stationed in California and I had suggested at our, our church had a grade school that my kids also went to. And before we had chapel on Wednesdays, I said, instead of parents just sitting around talking in the parking lot, why don't we have a prayer group? and pray about the things that are going on at school and pray for the kids and pray for the teachers and whatever. And so then the pastor was like, I love the idea. Let's get some structure to it. So we would meet and we would read a little bit of scripture. And then he would say, based on this, what do we adore about God? What do we just find amazing about him? And I easily confuse adoration and thanksgiving and 
another pastor. Okay, of hold ours, on. You can't say yeah. that without explaining that. So if you confuse adoration and Thanksgiving, what's yes. the confusion there? Well, so my confusion is I'll be like, God, you created the world. Thank you for your great world. As opposed to you created an amazing world. And it's a slight difference, but it, when I start with true adoration, it puts me in my proper place. Instead of just being the receiver of good gifts, it reminds me who God is. Yeah. And you can even just say, instead of, you know, you created, but creator God, you can start the prayer yes. creator God, which is in all throughout the Bible, anybody who came into contact with a heavenly being had one response. Mm -hmm. They were filled with fear or fell to their face. You know, that's why the angels always said, do not be afraid or, you know, so, so that adoration, what you said is that's just acknowledging God's power, place, titles, the names he gives us, the, the works that he does. That's, that's the, exactly what you said. It's the posture of prayer right off the bat, which leads you right into confession. Yeah. And it's funny. Another pastor, when we lived in the DC area, he did a sermon once talking about adoration and lifting God up. And his comment was too often we jump right into what we want from God. Yes. And he said, if you are a parent or if you are an employee, right, you don't have to be a parent to get this concept. If you just walk in and say, I want to raise you, well, that may not go so well. Or if my kid says, can I have the keys to the car? But if you walk up and say, you are an amazing boss. I appreciate working for this company. You are honest. You are this. It reminds you one that they're the boss, but it also, and he goes, and don't take this wrong, but it butters him up. <laughs> Because well, also look at the Lord's prayer. I mean, how right. did Jesus teach us to pray right off the bat? Our father who art in heaven. I mean, mm -hmm. in terms of what's his relationship to us, where is yeah. he as in regard to where we are? I mean, it's, it's the pattern that we've actually been taught to. Yep. And, and you'll notice that supplication, what we want to ask for is way down at the bottom, it's way down in the, the ax thing, which is why it's such a good lesson to learn. It's such a good exercise, I think for us to get in this habit of adoration and then confess how we have fallen short and then thank God for all the amazing things he's done. Mm -hmm. And by the time you get through that, you're like, God, I just want to serve you better. Like right. my supplication now is like, you know what? I'm not going to pray for all the silly things that I thought I needed. You know what? Just help me to be more fruit filled and help me right. to tell more people about you and help me to live to glorify you, you know, it, it comes more naturally than if you start with a, can I have the keys to the car? God, Correct. please give me this. God, mm -hmm. can you make sure this happens? Can you make me pass my test? Can you, you know, so it is a really, really good exercise that I, I really loved in this book. So I wanted to just talk about a couple of things that were really amazing because if people aren't ready to order the book yet, I hope by the time that this podcast is over, they will only because it will help you grow more deeper in this, um, you know, thinking about 
the fruit of the spirit and how you can live in a way that your faith is visible to other people. And, um, on page 79, when you were talking about kindness, I had never heard this before. I don't know why maybe I'm just crazy out there. And, but you said it's easy to confuse nice with kind Psalm 141 clears that up. Kindness doesn't always feel good. Sometimes kind means saying the hard yet necessary things that need to be said. And you quote Psalm 141 um, verses four to six, which I'm just going to pull out the part that says, let a righteous man strike me. That is a kindness. Nice versus kind. And then of course, since we're doing the three R's, we have to really think about this, but we all sort of, especially in our culture, we want to be nice. There's a tendency to really want that, but being kind is a totally different thing. And I really appreciated you pulling that distinction out, especially for us Christians. I'm really good at nice. Mm -hmm. I am not great at kind when it comes to letting a righteous person strike me. I have a hard time and part of it's personality. I don't like being direct. I don't like conflict. Like those things make me sick to my stomach. I can easily cry. I, you know, I'm just a chicken when it comes to hard conversations like that. Mm-hmm. So nice is probably my default where I just never want anyone to feel uncomfortable, mm-hmm. you know, and well, it, it's okay. It's fine. And that's not what God says, you know, when God says that having someone tell you hard things, that that's kindness because his kindness One, the Bible also says, is what leads us to repentance. His niceness doesn't. If God's just nice and tells me I'm okay, I have zero idea that I need to repent. But his kindness says, I love you and I loved you before you even loved me. I loved you when you were still just an idiot. But Mm -hmm. I need to tell you some hard truths. And his kindness, that's what makes me like, oh, you're right. I was wrong and I failed you here and why I need to confess. But nice is just what we are all supposed to be, which is funny because we are not nice on social media. We are just mean people on social media. Yeah, that's the gentleness chapter, which was really good. But that nice thing too, I think think Christians do default to nice. And I think we do Mm -hmm. default to and I'm talking about my good Christian friends, even my good Christian friends, we default to when we say, you know, oh man, I blew this or whatever. We're like, oh, it's okay. And you know, you'll, we, we really do have to work on being kind. And the kind thing is to say, you're right, you blew it. And what we need to do is pray that God helps you to do it differently the next time. And we need to hold ourselves to a higher standard. I had a um, travel nurse that I was working with for only three months. He's a Christian. And when he left and we were texting each other our goodbyes, one of the things I said to him is I was like, you held me to a higher standard. I specifically remember twice when I had pretty crappy situations at work. And um, one time I came out of a residence room and I just unloaded on him. I'm like, Jenna. 
you know, and he turned to me and he goes, huh, you don't usually have that attitude at work. And I went into another residence room and I came back 10 minutes later after I was done in there. And I'm like, thank you for that. I needed that because even mm -hmm. if the situation and the circumstances aren't great, I need to remember that I have, a, I have God on my side and I'm going to be filled with joy and I'm going to embrace this and I'm not going to lower my, myself to the circumstances. And the other time I was talking to him and I actually said a naughty word and he immediately bristled. He like backed up and he's like, you don't talk like that. Wow. And I said, I don't, you're right. And thank you. I needed, yeah. I needed to hear that because so many times as Christians, we just justify and we're okay. And yeah, well, you wouldn't have said that if it wasn't that bad, but that was a really bad situation. He just looked right at me. He backed up, mm -hmm. bristled, looked at me. And he's like, you don't talk like that. And so when he left, I was like, I just am really going to miss having someone who holds me accountable at work and says, yeah. you know, you, you don't talk like that. You don't do that. Be better. You know? So yeah. I thought that I was think, a great part of the book. I think we are really good at grace. Mm -hmm. Like we are really good at Jesus forgives you. You are washed clean. You are all these things and which we are <laughs> like yeah. good. Praise God. Sometimes though, I don't think that from my faith tradition, we are good at acknowledging obedience and we are called to obedience. And just because I am forgiven and have grace, the Bible even says it's not a license to sin. It is no, it is a call to be set apart, to be holy. And it's not a guilt thing. And, and that's the other thing I really wanted to get across in this book. It is not a guilt thing that you are supposed to go out and do like have all these qualities to look good, to make God love you more. God's not going to love you more. Like he already loves you absolutely, fully, completely. You can't do anything to make him love you more. Mm -hmm. You also can't do anything to make him love you less, but you need to confess those things. <laughs> but it is so important to realize that walking in step with him, following his plan, having someone hold you accountable when you aren't will draw you closer to him. Yeah. And I think too, just the idea of growth, you know, Peter in his letter was saying, you know, though you should be mature, you are still mm -hmm. on milk. Like, yeah. you know, again, we are so grace filled with our Christian friends, but Peter admonished, like, don't stay there, grow mature yes. in your faith. It's okay that you started out there, but put the time into reading God's word to see what his standards are. I think it's in Matthew chapter five or Matthew chapter six, where he's talking about loving your enemies. And then he says, then Jesus said, be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. And we were having an in-home Bible study and someone said, Hey, I mean, why would Jesus say that? And someone else brought out, well, that in the, their translation, it said, be mature mm. as you know, like be mature in your faith. And then my study Bible had the note that let's face it, God has pretty high standards mm -hmm. and we so easily just are like, eh, we're good, but yep. 
you know, again, think of your children, think of what you expect from your children. So when they were five years old and you asked them to do a chore, if they did it the best they could, you were thrilled with that. But if you're a teenager, if you ask them to do that same chore and they do it like they did when they were five, you're going to be like, see, that's not okay. Cause you're, you know, more now you should be able to do more now. And why are you laughing? <laughs> well, so I'm wondering if I should really say this on a podcast, but whatever I will. Um, it made me think of when my daughter who was supposed to watch this ground beef on the stove burned it. And she like walked away from the stove and we had talked about it before over and over about like, she gets distracted and she's me. So I see my flaws in her. Right. I come back and, and she's like, oh, and I was like, you walked away. And she said, I tried my best. And I said, your best sucks. <laughs> oh, the words we wish we could take back. Right. Well, and then of course she's really good at word art. So for Christmas, she actually gave me like a little painting and pretty of, scrolly letters with flowers that says your best sucks. Of course she did because um, the mom guilt will need to stay forever. You know, there wasn't much mom guilt. Cause I was like, it did <laughs> at that moment, your best was really bad. <laughs> but then I realized maybe not everybody gets the way our family is really big on banter. Yeah. And I realized that if anyone else hears that, it would really come off wrong and awful. And I was like, yeah, maybe that isn't the message I want my kid to hear. So we go to the confession part there, but it would, it just made me laugh. Cause I thought we expect different things because just a few years before that she and her sister had burned six pounds of ground beef and our house smelled like that for like a week or more. And so it's not like it was the first time there was history. Yeah. And I think, yeah, that's how God looks at me. Right. Like, right. You know what you did years before and you're still yes. doing that. Yes, So exactly. I just want to mention to the goodness chapter, because I think goodness gets overlooked so much mm. when we look at the fruit of the spirit, you know, it's not love, it's not peace. It's not patience. So what is goodness? I loved the goodness chapter, Linda. I really, Thanks. really did. And part of it was that soap meditation on um, pages 88 and 89. And it's looking at the passage from second Peter one that talks about for this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith, goodness into goodness, knowledge, into knowledge, self-control into self-control, perseverance to perseverance, godliness to godliness, mutual affection into mutual affection, love. And what I did in my meditation time is looked up each of those words to mm. find the actual definition. Like if Peter is saying, Hey, strive for goodness. Oh, and by the way, then don't stop there. <laughs> Go from goodness to knowledge and from knowledge to self-control and to perseverance. And I looked up each of those words and I, I put the time in, and it made it so rich. It just made it such a great, because then I was like, oh, this is what he's asking. So yeah. if you get the book and you actually want to put the time in, I today in my, um, I'm not done with the book because I'm going really, really slowly through it. But today 
I was working on, um, I want to get to the page exactly. And I looked up the word devote because it was, um, sorry, I am on gentleness. And so I actually looked up the word devote and devote yourselves to doing good. Mm. And I thought, you know, I could skim over that and not worry about it, but what does the word devote? And it said, give all or a large part of one's time or resources, resources to a person activity or a cause that leads me to confession. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Devote yourselves to doing good. I'm like, oh man, you know, so I hope that people, if they get the book, they actually put the time into really working through it. And I think that with the word devote, I love that you took the time to look those words up and it is always prompted by the fact that God's goodness, like the devotion right before goodness talks about it's God's goodness that chases us. Yeah. And that's why we are good to others. God's gentleness um, does things. And that's why we can be gentle with others. And it is amazing to me how all of our good things that we do are caused by his prompting the way he did all these good things for us first. Yes. Such a huge thing. Thank you for bringing that out because that is a huge part of your book is just like, look at this. And and that was part of the whole meditation that I had too, is just that, well, because you were doing the three R's mm-hmm. and you know, the rejoice, well, I wouldn't know goodness if it wasn't for God. You know, I, I would never know goodness if it wasn't for God. And you do such a beautiful job of you know, your motivation in all of this is not to be a better person. It's to reflect God. I mean, that's the whole thing. He's done it to us. He's done it for us. And yeah. I think when you, there's that passage and I'm really good at knowing the words God says, but not knowing where to find them in the Bible. But when it says that he has prepared good works in advance for us to do, like, I can't take credit for that. If I see somebody and I have a thought about how to help them, then it's like, oh, God planned that before I was even, even around. And that's amazing to me. Yeah. And so this book also has tons of practical applications just about, you know, like pray for the first person you see on social media today. And that was one that I gave my kids when we were on vacation, you know, we read the devotion and I'm like, that's a super simple thing to do. You go on social media, the first person who pops into, you know, your feed, they're getting your prayer today. And there are so many just super easy, practical applications in these chapters that make it really a hands-on thing. Let me ask you this. I know I've seen, I've seen what you wrote on Facebook and what you wrote is, you know, it's really more of a personal Bible study versus a like group Bible study, because the the personal journaling, you can absolutely really get in, you know, and we've talked about that this whole podcast, but I would argue that I would think that it would be phenomenal after you do the chapter to just get together with your friends and, you know, talk about each other, 
you know, what you wrote down, what you found, what you did and, and do that spurring one another on, I, I could find some serious, you know, I, I think there would be some good stuff coming out of that. What's funny about that is that one of my coworkers at the high school said, Hey, we are trying to get a Bible study started on Saturday mornings, but it's just once a month. And she said, do you think it would work for this? Yes. And I was <laughs> like, you know, I am pretty go with the flow. So I was like, whatever, I'm sure you can make it work. And that's what they've decided to do. And I said, it will be a little bit more like a book club. Like, don't go. I, I really don't love those Bible studies that are like, what did this say? And you just fill in an answer that feels like a second grader. But this, I said, so it's going to be more of a book club than a Bible study. But I still think it can really help because everybody will have different points of interest points of interest isn't the right phrase. Everybody will just have a different perspective. Yeah. And different ways that they apply these things. I mean, absolutely. And that was one of the reasons this journal format works because it's not right of me to assume if we are all growing on a faith spectrum that what I know now and what my 21 year old daughter, where she might be on her faith, it's not fair to say, I've got all this life experience to see God's faithfulness and you've had some, but not the same. Right. So anyway, it is funny when you said to get together with people, because there's already a group who has said they're going to do that. Oh, that's good. I think I, I, I think it would be very valuable. That's all I have to say. And as you can tell, if you have been listening, I very much enjoyed, appreciated this book. It came at just the perfect time for me. It will definitely be one that will stay on my shelf and I'll go back to. So well done. Thank you for doing the good work that God prepared in advance for you to do with this book. Thank you. That was wonderful. And thanks for being here to just chat a little bit more about it. And uh, people can go to timeofgrace.org if they want to get their own copy. And I certainly hope they do. Any last words? Well, I always have words to say, but I'll keep it short. They can go to Time of Grace and get the beautiful artwork that I had nothing to do with. It is gorgeous. It is like, I have had so many compliments about how good this book looks. And I was like, I can't take credit for that. Just like I can't take credit for being a writer. Um, So shout out to Bethany. I believe she was the one who designed it. But also, I am super cheap and I'm Midwest cheap. If you don't want the pretty copy, there is a $2 e-version. And so we are not saying that if things are tight, $2 to get the online copy, you could bless a ton of people with it. And that should not be the reason that finances Time of Grace has made it so that finances are not the reason to not get this book. Thank you, Linda, so much for being here. It was such a pleasure to be able to chat with you again. This has been Little Things, because in God's kingdom, the little things are the big things.